You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. What's up, everyone, and welcome to The Better Man Podcast. My name's Adam Tarno. Today on the podcast, Jonathan Rios. A couple episodes ago, we interviewed Brant Hansen, and Brant lives in South Florida, where Jonathan lives. They are friends. As soon as we were done recording that interview with Brant, he said, you guys got to invite my friend Jonathan on the podcast, and I am so glad that Brant introduced us to Jonathan because, uh, as you're about to hear in a few moments, as you listen to the conversation Jonathan and I had, uh, the heart of his message lines up perfectly with the heart of Better Man. And so today we're going to talk about the myth of the nice guy Christian or nice guy Christianity. Jonathan uh, has a lot of experience in this. He is a licensed professional counselor, has a private practice. He sees so many young men coming to him with a confused idea in their mind of what it means to be a man. Uh, We probably talked for about 25 minutes, and I think we could have gone for uh, hours and hours. I had so many other questions that I wanted to ask Jonathan, and we just... We just ran out of time. So anyway, you are going to be challenged by this conversation, and I promise you there's going to be one or two things that will stick with you for a while and really kind of challenge that notion that we all have of what does it mean to be God's man in this culture that is so confused about being a man, so so many of us that are trying to avoid this idea of toxic masculinity. So what is our role as Christians? How should we be presenting ourselves Jonathan's going to give us a lot to think about. So enjoy getting to know my friend, Jonathan Rios. Well, Jonathan, welcome to the Better Man Podcast. Good to have you here today. I'm pumped, man. All right. So your topic was very intriguing to me. We're going to talk about the myth of nice guy Christianity. And so uh, where did this idea come from and and what was some of the genesis behind this idea? I'd say the genesis is... And working, I have a private practice, so I work with a lot of men uh, that report with varying issues. And typically, guys don't come to see a clinician unless uh, they're hitting pain on some level. Yeah. I mean, you get the rare guy who's like, hey, I had an insight in my journal, and I wanted to come see you. But that <laughs> that's very rare. Yeah. Um, and you men, you know, I just, I kept seeing a pattern and a theme of guys who were, um, well, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give a, a vignette of like a what a nice guy might look like. Yeah, yeah. And that that's the pattern of what I've been seeing in my offices. So, so the quintessential nice guy Christian uh, is typically conflict avoidant. Hmm. So uh, he's typically really sweet, usually very winsome in his speech, humorous. And his main objective, if you if you pull back the curtains, the main objective in his life seems to be I want to be well liked. So there's there's this like self preservation focus. Um, now they, they aren't articulating this, but that's the way they're describing themselves. Yeah. Typically a conformist, always seeking acceptance and approval from women, from men, from his bosses, from his mama, from whoever, it, you know, whoever it might be. You're typically going to find these nice guys smack dab in the middle of a crowd. Uh, they're typically a yes man, have a very difficult time saying no to things. And so what you generally see are guys who need to have a spine, but really struggle to stand up for themselves or for what they believe in, or aren't even sure what they, honestly, what they believe in. A lot of times I'm here, as they're presenting and describing their lives, they typically see Jesus as like a really nice guy, uh, like a Mr. Rogers type who, uh, but they don't ever see the fact that Jesus was hated, hunted, and executed. 
There's their, their, their view, you know, their view is a little bit lopsided typically. Um, and last thing I'll say about nice guys, you, you, I usually see that, that they do whatever women want them to do so that he ultimately ends up losing the respect of his wife or his girlfriend uh, because she sees this guy can't stand up to me. So therefore he probably can't stand up for me either. Right. So they run into problems with relationships or because they're conflict avoidant, they just never climb the ladder at work or go for what they're wanting. They're not even sure what they want. They can't assert themselves to go get it. So just generally agreeable is the, yeah, that's the I synopsis. Like that. Yeah. You said Mr. Rogers, the other face uh, that was coming to mind was Ned Flanders from the Simpsons, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Homer Simpson's Christian next door neighbor that was uh, overly optimistic, Pollyanna, super nice, uh, all that kind of stuff. So there's definitely some stereotypes that we see out there in the culture with all this. So, I mean, when you describe that, I mean, certainly I think most men listening uh, are probably like me where I was identifying some of my own characteristics as you talked. I mean, I'm sure every man that's listening can identify uh, with some of the things that you talk about. (laughs) But let's talk about like, why is this one of your favorite topics and uh, to talk about? Well, uh, because I, I tell people I'm a recovering nice guy. So I, I used to really struggle to assert myself. I felt I, I didn't understand the difference between nice and kindness. And so when I started to make the transition, basically out of frustration and resentment, I made the shift into, okay, like this isn't working. Right. And and so, you know, the kind, like, so the difference, the difference between kind, a kind guy and a nice guy is a kind guy. His, his main objective is not, it's not approval. It's not to be well-liked. His main objective is to seek moral integrity. That's good. Where the, the nice guy really cares about being liked. The kind guy cares about what is good, what is true and the well-being of others. The nice guy is typically just self-consumed. How am I doing? As opposed to outward consumed um the 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 kind guy has developed his no muscles so he can say no respectfully he can assert himself he isn't agreeable all the time and here's the kicker the 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 kind guy is actually willing to be disliked or hated if it means he's being he's in congruence with his moral codes his standards he's also here's the hard part Kind men are actually willing to cut you if it's what they believe is the best thing for you. So they will wound you, just like the Proverbs say, uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A, a, a nice guy will never wound you. Hmm. He wants to be liked by you. A kind guy will go, hey, I see this blind spot in your life, and what you're doing is really toxic. We need to fix this. Yeah, that that's really good. Do you see some men? I mean, uh, would you say that your practice is uh, all men coming to you that have a faith background? Like, is this something that's just in the church right now, or is this something you're seeing in the world in general? No, yeah, I would say I my practice is all over the place. It's not it's not primarily Christians. It's a mix. But no, I see I see it in culture. I see it with secular men as well. Listen, we live in a coddle culture. So, you know, we're very careful about offending anybody these days. So we're, we, we bend over backwards to not offend. We want to be accepted by the tribe. So we coddle. And what you see is people just stay stuck in their dysfunction. How, like, if I have a blind spot, I can't see my blind spots. I need you as my brother to help me see my blind spots. And then I need to be correctable and open and teachable. So that's what I'm seeing, yeah. 
And is this, uh, you know, where, where would the, the start of this getting off track between niceness and kindness? And I love how you're breaking those two down. I think that's really, really helpful to really talk about the difference there. So does this start, like if, if I come into the church, so I became a Christian at 21. And so I had all these preconceived notions of what it meant now to be a Christian. And so some of those were informed by God's word, a whole bunch of them were not right. And so I just start living out this ideal in my life of what I think now a good Christian man should do. Is that where we get off track with this? Or is there something else that you think or that you see is feeding this idea for niceness over kindness? Yeah, maybe two two ideas. Number one, I think our Christology is a little bit skewy. Sometimes we see Jesus as the nice white European guy with the Pantene Pro V hair. And we forget Jesus looked at religious bigots and said, you are like a dead tomb. Where And John the Baptist would do the same thing. You're a brood of vipers. Right. I mean, can you imagine saying to somebody, you're from your father, the devil today? Right. So these men were, they were willing to get into the fray. They weren't conflict avoidant. They knew when to, when to operate in grace and when to operate in gentleness. And they knew when to strike at the heart of, of religious bigots and those who were espousing toxic power structures, things like that. So that's, that's one idea is that I think our Christology if if we read Jesus wrong, we get the wrong picture. So our, we need to have an accurate view of who God is, who Jesus is. Okay, so that's one. Secondly, I, I do think, I don't want to go too long into this, but if you think about World War One, World War Two, and the Industrial Revolution, what you see is mass numbers of brave, honorable, noble men being slaughtered. So then you get generations being raised up without fathers. We now have one in four American homes without without a biological father. So you've got a lot of guys trying to figure out what manhood is and is a man assertive? What does courage look like? And so we, I, in my perspective, our, our culture is very effeminate now. Okay. So, but it makes sense. You lose, you lose uh, millions and millions and millions of your quality, honorable, noble, strong men. That's going to happen. So I, I think that that's part of the mix and there's other theories out there, but yeah, that's, that's definitely what I'm seeing. Could some of this be an overcorrection to this idea of toxic masculinity that is so prevalent, obviously, and and deplorable? I mean, some of the things that have been done, obviously, there is a correction that's needed there. Do you see this, some of it, too, as a reaction to that? I, I could see how someone might land there. I, You know, uh, we might get into this in a minute, but if you've got men being raised by women, you, you're going to raise effeminate men. So you're going you're gonna to have men that aren't in accordance with masculine attributes. Ma- like a masculine attribute is to be a protector. First Corinthians 13, love always protects. So we're to protect what we love. But if you're not taught how to be a protector, how to engage, how to move into the fray, how to say no, you've got you've to observe somebody doing that. Um, so there's, there's a lack of observational learning. There's a lack of discipleship and mentorship. There's a lack of rites of passage. So I, I think there's a combination of things that lands us where we are. Um, I think, look, man, honestly, not my pastor, but I see a lot of guys that are just soft from the pulpit. They actually don't speak the truth. They speak love, but they don't speak hard, hard truths and corrective truths. And, and so I think we got a lot of people that that normalizes the culture. You know, if the pulpit isn't preaching fire, the culture tends to experience decay. Fire is a strong word, but if the pulpit isn't preaching the truth with love and speaking in to the current generation, then you're going to see moral decay. 
Which is what we're seeing right now, obviously. So let's talk more about that. Go back to that idea that you were talking about with correction, right? That we all have some blind spots and uh, we need to be able to speak into that. Like how, how would you say or encourage somebody like, how can I and you, uh, how can we become men who really do love correction? little story for you. So I, my, my dad will probably listen to this. He'll be fine with this. But growing up, my dad was fairly stubborn. And I remember thinking as a kid, man, I don't want to be like that. Remember, I remember like I could just never get a point across with my dad as a young kid. Now, my dad's radically different now. And he's a humble man now. But I remember just kind of being like seeing that and going, mm, I, I don't want to do that. And since then, growing up like that, I wanted to maintain that teachable spirit. And I, I learned this truth. Unless you are willing to be teachable, to be corrected, unless you're willing to kind of be a fool, you can't become a master. So like I, I train jujitsu and you can't walk into my, to the academy with a big head. You're going to get humbled. So you've got to come in low. And if you come in low, they want to teach you. But if you come in high, you're going to get slammed and choked out and submitted until you bend. Right. And so if you want to, for guys, for guys that are listening, you've got to realize you're always just going to be a fool if you're not correctable and teachable. Now here's a, sec- a little story. I was mentoring this kid a couple years back. He's a 17 year old kid. We're shooting hoops, and this kid, he, he says, Mr. Johnny, can I give you some advice? I said, sure. He says, look, your, sh- your shooting technique's really poor. And I'm like, I know that. I suck at basketball. He says, look, bring your elbow in about three inches and watch what happens. And I'm, I thought that was a stupid idea, but I'm like, I want to be teachable. I do it, and I start, sh- I start making shot after shot after shot. And it was mind-blowing because it was a technique issue. Now, if I'm, if I'm not receptive and humble and teachable, I might actually be missing the mark in life because I couldn't listen. So I think if your men want to grow, they have to be better listeners. They have to be teachable. And, and you know, one, this is one spiritual way you could start to do that. Uh, David said, I humbled my soul with fasting. Hmm. We can't wait for other people to humble us. We need to humble ourselves. Hmm. And God will resist you if you aren't humble. He will resist the proud. So some of us may find resistance not because God's mean, but because we lack humility. We are That's not right. listening. We aren't teachable. So I think, you know, the first place to start is just a mindset shift to go, man, I don't want God to resist me. And I want to be flexible, adaptable, and I want to become a master. So if I'm going to become a master, I've got to be okay being a fool. And this is the last thing I'll say about it. I think a lot of men, myself included, men don't like to do things they're not good at. If all your buddies go and play golf and you're not good at golf, you're like, oh, I really want to nah, I don't want to play. But we need to, we need to sh- make a shift and go, man, I, I want to grow. So I've got to continually expose myself to things I'm not necessarily good at so I can be stretched because you don't grow in the comfort zone. That's so good, man. That could be a whole nother topic right there on getting out of the comfort zone like that. But I like how you temper this a little bit too, because if we want to heed the advice of Proverbs to let iron sharpen iron, we do have to be careful about who we allow to speak into our life, right? Because if we do allow nice guys to speak into our life or some weaker men to speak into our life, there can be some bad, or really maybe not bad, but some ineffective uh, consequences. I think you've got an analogy that you use about like a sponge trying to to sharpen us and, and what can happen there and some of the bad consequences there. Yeah, so the scripture is Proverbs 27, I think. It says, iron sharpens iron as a brother sharpens a brother, right? Well, so the idea is we want to get sharp. Well, you can't get sharp on a on a fluff surface. You're a knife. I have a knife right here. My knife gets sharp on a whetstone. It's a hard stone, and it's friction. 
So if you want to grow and be strong as a man, body, soul, and spirit, you won't be sharpened by men that lack character, lack integrity, lack discipline, men that can't manage their household, men that can't manage their finances. Not to say we need to be perfect men, but let me, let me define weakness. So what you might see in a weak man, weakness is lacking strength. It's fragile. It's unable to resist. So a weak man is characteristically cowardly. He doesn't exemplify moral fortitude. He's ignoble. He doesn't act honorably, slanderous. A weak man generally can't even support his own weight. He's a liability to his family or his tribe. He's a liability to his church because he can't be trusted, right? Because you need moral fortitude to not bend when difficulty comes or when pressure comes. So that those are like muscles that we have to cultivate. And there's this old quote by one of my favorite deceased pastors. His name's Ian Bounds. He's the prayer guy. And he says, it takes 20 years to prepare a sermon because it takes 20 years to prepare a man, right? He was, a, he was an army chaplain. And he was just getting this to this idea that men have to be forged through a process. God puts them through a process of forging. And that's how they develop strength. All right. And those are the guys we need to rub up against. And guess what? When you start rubbing up against those guys, they're going to hold you to a standard. And a lot of guys don't want to do that. It's easy to look in a mirror when you're just isolated and think you're doing okay. But when you're rubbing shoulders with other guys that are spotting things in your life, you know, they're kind men, they're willing to say it to you. Uh, then you can actually grow if you won't be offended. That's so good. So good. But that's a huge if right there, right? <laughs> Well, that's the main, the maintain, see, you can be a a strong man and humble. Yeah. That's the goal. It's the, the lion and the lamb, that, that mixture, that's the goal. And so I I think this, this is a process. Like you don't, you will not be sharp. If you're, like I said, I train jujitsu sometimes and I'm not going to get any better training against all the new guys. I need to be going against some of the brown belts, the black belts. They're choking me out left and right, but I'm learning things here and there. And I'm getting sharper and sharper and sharper. And there's a saying in jiu-jitsu, a black belt is just a white belt who didn't quit, right? Just stuck with it's, the it. same for, it's the same for discipleship. We want to be masters. We want to like really follow Jesus, like with integrity. We got to be willing to start at the white belt level. That's yeah. okay. I like that. And I like how, you know, again, you're coming back to the kind people in your life. And so we do have to be very, very careful. I mean, it's listen, we could be friends and acquaintances with people, but who we're allowing into that inner circle of our life. I mean, these are conversations I'm having with my 13-year-old son right now as he's starting to realize these are my words, not his. Some of his friends are foolish and others are not. And so just trying to figure out where, who he's going to allow into this inner circle that can speak to him, uh, that he will listen to. And that will hopefully lead him in the direction that I know he wants to go, which I think, you know, there's another thing that we saw or that that I'm seeing that I know you talk about this idea that masculinity bestows more masculinity. So uh, can you talk about that and what you mean by that? Yeah, uh, that's really, really beautiful truth, man. Like a boy learns who he is and what he's got from another man and Mm. or a company of men. All right. And that word bestow is the idea of giving a present of honor. So it's when other masculine men look at you, other esteemable men, they go, we want to bestow upon you. You have, you have what it takes. You're a good man. Uh, we've, we've watched you. We've trained you. We've guided you. We've mentored you. And they're bestowing that honor. Hey, we now deem you a legit strong man that has what it takes because we've watched you and you've gone through the forging and you've been sharpened. So there's this, there's this quote by Tolkien. He says, uh, the praise of the praiseworthy is above all rewards. 
when a man is validated by another, by an esteemable man, it does something to his soul. A lot of us go without that. We live in a time where men are confused. They don't have other strong men validating them. A lot of them grew up without dads or dad was in the home and wasn't present. And so whether we realize it or not, men are always seeking like validation. Like, do I, I've got to prove myself. I got to, I got to go out there and kill the meat, bring in the kill yeah. in business or whatever. I got to, I got to get the girl. And it's like this, it's not out of a place of, I have what it takes. It's out of a place of, I've got to figure out if I have what it takes. Where the forged man goes, I have it, man. God esteems me. God enjoys me. Other men, other esteemable men validate me. And so that's what I mean. Like, kind of like a king bestows knighthood, a father bestows manhood. And if you didn't have a biological father, there are other fatherly roles and father figures that can come alongside you. If you will humble yourself, seek them out, right? There's a lot of men out there that are full of wisdom that are honorable. I mean, you know, social media doesn't, there's not a ton of them on social media, but (laughs) they're they're out there. They're out there. Yeah. They don't always have the microphone. Um, So yeah, I think that the father's validation is supreme Hmm. and a female and God bless females. I, I love my wife. I've got four daughters. My mother cannot bestow masculinity upon me. I'm sorry. You can't give what you don't have, right? Like a pauper can't bestow knighthood. So it's like, it's the way God designed it. Uh, God, God validates Jesus. The father validates Jesus. The father gives Adam the ability to name the animals. He says, Hey, I'm validating you. You're the king of the earth. Go name the animals and multiply. Right. So there's like this fatherly blessing, this bestowing, and that's that's what I mean by uh, masculinity bestows masculinity. Uh, that's so good. That's so good. I've never made that connection before, Jonathan. That's uh, that is really great. I think when I even first read that question, I was thinking begets, but I like how it's it's not the word beget. It's not masculinity begets more masculinity. Like uh, this is this bestow and this giving of a gift. That is fa- you know that is fascinating. That's fantastic and such a great observation. And it makes me think about again all the fatherless homes and the the single parents. And, uh, again, just there's some, not everybody has that earthly father, uh, on, on, you know, here on earth right now that can look at them and say, you are a man, uh, and praise God for the church and others that can do that. But, but that's a really great point. You know, there's that, what's that text? I think it's, is it Malachi? The one that says, um, God, God's turning the hearts of the fathers back to the children. It's either it's Malachi or something like that. Well, I believe that's happening. I believe there's a lot of men that are going, I, I see value in this, this, this generation. I want to guide them. I want to shepherd them. And God's always got a remnant of people that can do the job. Got like everybody's listening to this podcast. You weren't born 200 years ago. You were born for this generation. God has strategy, right? So there's every man listening. You're either being fathered or you're supposed to be fathering right? It's like responsibility, but it's, it starts at a heart level. Like, you know, my, I just see guys that just, they're just need, they just, man, just need a, a, a validating word. They need encouragement. They need correction, but, but it's loving correction, but it's still correction. They need that. We need that. I need that. Ah, that's so good. Listen, um, you know, our time is up here. I could, I feel like we could do a whole part two. There's so many different things that you brought up, but I, I know that you're giving the men that are listening, you're giving me a lot to think about. I know you live this stuff every day. So you're, you're constantly 
uh, thinking about it and trying to correct your life and move it in the right direction. But I do really appreciate you coming on to the Better Man podcast today, sharing some of your insights and what you're seeing out there. Uh, we really appreciate your time, Dallas. Man, I appreciate you guys. Thanks, thanks, uh, Adam. I'm telling you that, I mean, within the first few minutes as he was describing the nice guy, Christian, I was sitting there thinking to myself, oh no, this one is going to be convicting. Uh, There were unfortunately quite a few characteristics as he listed out what the typical Christian nice guy is like. There were quite a few of those characteristics that I said, yep, that's me. That's me. And I am so grateful that God and his kindness has put other men in my life over the years to help help me develop a spine. He's given me a great dad. He's given me some great friends. Uh, But listen, this is still a challenge. It is a daily battle, which is why one of the things a better man can do to help, right? If you find yourself sitting there going, listen, I feel alone on this journey. I too think I'm confused as to what it means to be a man in today's day and age. Uh, go to betterman.com, learn more about the Better Man experience and how you can bring this to your church or your community. It's free. It's a great way to gather men together, to open up God's word and to talk about what it means to be the man that God wants us to be. So go to betterman.com to learn more about that. Jonathan, really appreciate you spending time with us on the Better Man podcast. Brant, if you're listening, thanks for introducing us to Jonathan. Uh, That was a great conversation. Well, today's episode, like all episodes, was mixed and edited and produced by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. That's all we got for today on the Better Man Podcast. We'll talk to you again next time.